Welcome, everybody. Happy Thursday. Welcome to Your Morning Guru, day four of living as Tim Ferriss. Today, we have uh, links in the description below. I just added them right before the stream. Oh, so yeah. now, if you want to follow, like, join our Reddit community, follow our TikTok, which has clips from the show. You want to check out the merch store? It's all there. Get the 10x me daddy hat. The all merch there. store. That's a good link. I totally forgot about. That's a good one. Yeah. Um, so the merch store is a lot of fun. Got a lot of cool stuff there. Any new merch? Some more. I haven't added any new merch, but I'll I'll show for anyone who hasn't seen what's there already. I haven't added merch since last week, but I'll, I can probably add more next week. I just this want is... one of these TikToks to hit a thousand. We have two over nine hundred and four total over eight fifty. I just want one of these to hit a thousand. Same, dude. TikTok, Same. man. TikTok. And then I want to ten x it and have it hit ten thousand. Oh, definitely, definitely. Look at that 6S mug. It's the 6S rule. If you want the 6S rule, there's the 6S mug. It's going to be a book coming soon. You heard it Absolutely. here first. Absolutely. I still got to make the horny for capitalism hat. That'll be coming soon. Amanda's been completely vaccinated. Congratulations, Amanda. Amanda says that the second dose is no joke. She feels like dying right now. Amanda, and then Kelly comes in here saying what I was about to say, which was, hope you feel better, Amanda. Yeah, I feel better, Amanda. I'm not looking forward to my, I mean, I'm looking forward to it. I'm not looking forward to the day of and the day after for my second dose. I'm, I'm getting Moderna. Oh, but apparently is... Joseph was off of work for five weeks for COVID. So oh, yeah, sorry, that's... Joseph. I hope you, I hope your recovery is all, I know, I remember you mentioning you had COVID. It was a while back. So I know you're recovered from it now, but I hope everything is okay and that there's not been any lasting effects. I agree with Tabby on that. Yeah, I, I also agree with Joseph. Uh, two, two days of feeling like shit is much better than five weeks. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you see, um, know what's coming? Because, like, you can start the clock from when that needle goes in your arm to, like, when you start feeling bad that night to the feeling bad. I had a friend who got the Moderna one. And she said mm -hmm. she just basically had a really bad flu that night and she couldn't sleep. And then the next night she was able to, like, go out and drink. Like, she, like, it was really just a 24-hour thing for her. That's amazing. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Um, Amanda's also extremely happy to be vaccinated, which is, I agree. That's amazing. Uh, Joseph, you are not tough, old, or a fart. And one of those was a compliment, I think. I'm sorry about that. You're all of them. <laughs> oh, Panda's saying the juice is worth the squeeze. I like that. That's a good way to good way to look at it. Good morning, Mushroom Destroyer. Good morning, Fox and Compass. Depends on the juice. Like, I'm not a big fan of grapefruit juice. I don't know if I want to squeeze that. Yeah, squeezing a grapefruit sounds kind of hard. Can you even squeeze and what, that? What's, what, or do you have to what's juice the payoff? What, what's the payoff? You get grapefruit juice. Like, congrats. Yeah. yeah. Enjoy those bitter herbs. I know, I know it's not bitter. I'm just, I'm still in Passover mode, y'all. Give me a fucking break. T-Soul Girl says, I got the Johnson & Johnson and felt awful yesterday. Pounding headache, fever, body aches, feeling better today. I'm glad you're feeling better now. Uh, I've heard it can be difficult. Um, oh, Ashley's here too. Hello, Ashley. Oh, we, uh, got a, we got a comment 
on our video yesterday that we should yeah. share because it plays right into what we were talking about. Tax in Chicago is high on goods. I am shocked when I visit. Otherwise, prices are comparable to other towns for restaurants and so on. But then you add on that high tax. Chicago tax is way too high. I completely agree. Especially like, just like the sales tax is ridiculous. I, I know because I have to collect it when I sell things at festivals and it's annoying to be like, oh, you wanted a $10 book. Well, now you have to pay $11.25 for this book. Why is tax 10.25% for sales? That's ridiculous. That's so high. That's kind of rude. It's so yeah, rude. You, you, what you should do is just put weed in your book and then you can be a drug dealer who happens to sell books. I mean, that's... Dude, did I ever... I, I'm sure I told you about the lady who was selling drugs at the Mother's Day craft fair, right? No, but she just gets moms. Yeah. So, okay. So I went to a, a Mother's Day craft fair to sell Forever Home Friends stuff. And it was a nice craft fair. I met a lot of really nice people. They, a lot of them joined my Women in Business Facebook group. It was great. But there weren't a lot of customers. I was like, there's so many great creators here. Why aren't there a lot of customers? Except this one lady who had customers out the door, dude. She had like, like a bunch of like men too. It was like, they're mostly women coming except this one lady who had like a line out the door while the rest of us had no customers. And I was like, what is going on with her? And then she came up to everyone's table halfway through the day and was like, was like, I want to buy one of your products. I always buy a product from everyone else at every craft fair I go to. And I was like, how could you possibly afford that? What are you selling? She's a happy drug dealer. And I was like, she's selling drugs or something. She was, she actually was. And I was happy for her. I was very happy for her. I went over to her table at the end and yeah. Bought some drugs. I mean, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and bought some drugs. No, um, I, I respect that. I mean, I will say, which book of yours do you think would make the best vehicle to sell drugs out of? Sculpt Yourself. Sculpt Yourself would be a great drug book. Yeah. I, I like. How would you do it? Would you, would you cut out some pages, like make a little chest? Would you line pages with like coke so that people can just like sort of like sell new books in the morning? Probably. Which one of us is choppy? Are you choppy or am I choppy? I'm always choppy, but I don't know about the stream. Okay. Am I coming through clearly on the stream? I don't know. I don't have the stream off my phone because I didn't want to like tax my internet the way Chicago taxes goods. No, I got you. I mean, like, when you're watching me, am I? do I sound and look normal to you through your screen right now? Harley says I'm choppy. Oh, you're the choppy one. Okay, there we go. Because my internet is showing that it's still weak right now, so I didn't know if it was me. Okay, you're the choppy one. Wasn't me this time. Yeah, I just turned off the internet on my phone. Uh, so let's just, let's hope that that, that and if it doesn't, um, Y'all, I get it. I'm choppy. Stop piling on. Tabby's good. Assholes. RK bad. I like that. That's quote of the day. <laughs> Fucking hate y'all. So let's get back to Tabby selling drugs out of her books. Uh, boxing comes where she's going to put where you're selling what you say. Probably baked goods because it was all baked goods. Like she baked. It was mostly like weed brownies and stuff. This was before it was legal in Chicago. So it was. She was. Yeah. So that would be my guess of what she put. Oh, they put her out of business, Chicago did. Which is kind of a shame. Like, her stuff was reasonably priced. 
Here, if I do this, is it going to be better? I have no idea. Well, I'm just I'm asking the the audience. I'm asking the, the breaded circus crowd. You still yeah. sound kind of choppy. Yeah, fuck off. Okay, I'm gonna. Yeah, I figured that I'd have some choppiness today because I'm copying the link like I always do. It just was not showing up on my computer. I'm gonna turn off some things. Okay. In the meantime, we'll just talk to the chat. Um, what's up, chat? So this is for day four of living like Tim Ferriss and uh, listening to his audiobook. And I, I want definitely want to talk about the book somewhat today because the book, like a lot of the books that we've been reading, there it's a mix of some places where I'm like, that's really good advice. That's really good advice. I appreciate that. It's a mix of that along with like guru bullshit but the guru bullshit it reminds me of grant cardone in the sense that it's like the guru bullshit sections are just so self-centered that you can't apply it you can apply it to yourself but once a lot of a lot of his suggestions like like i appreciate he has all these suggestions about how to avoid meetings at work i'm like very good if you want to save time and avoid unnecessary meetings good shit like i'm all for that he has a lot of sections about how to automate things good i love it good good work um that's great but then he gets to a lot of sections about it becomes very clear that the way he makes a lot of money is by paying people in india four dollars an hour to do a lot of his work for him and Ooh. i'm like oh so you exploit other people that's how you got rich <laughs> it's like well to be fair at least he's honest about it but but he's not self-aware about it so when he talks about it he starts giving all these suggestions where he's like you too can hire can a outsource. you too can outsource everything he's like a whole chapter on outsourcing and he's giving all these things where he's like this this outsourcing agency you only have to pay people four dollars an hour and i'm like tim tim so you, you're just like basically like, oh, the way I stay rich and don't do much work is by not paying my employees a fair wage. And it's like, wow, Tim, you you were the villain all along. He's he's so proud of it. Is it one of those things where if you're proud of it, like it doesn't matter? Yeah, it's I think it's basically like I think people he think he's banking on people not realizing how awful it sounds because the way he's just saying it so confidently and being like. Look at how I made my dreams come true, guys. And I think he's just assuming that people aren't going to think that hard about it and try to have empathy. Yeah, I am um, not a fan of that so much. I uh, uh, I don't know. I, I really enjoyed Seth Godin's book. I didn't finish Tim Ferriss's book this week. The only thing I'm not done was... with Tim Ferriss's book either yet. I'm still reading it. I'm going to read it more on the walk with Chewy today. And then... I'm going to, well, next week I'm going to read Marie Kondo's book. I'll read Seth Godin's book when we do his week, which will be, I think, in two weeks or so from now. Because his, I have find is my other, my better, I don't want to walk from the computer. Um, I like him. I know what he goes for, what he needs to accomplish. Uh, again, it just goes I back can't really hear you. I'm sorry. You're still choppy. Life sucks. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to log off and try this again. Okay, well, while RK, I'm gonna keep talking about the book while RK uh, takes a minute to fix his internet and also to answer Ileana's question. This sweatshirt 
says reporting to you live from a highway. This is my friend Monica's merch. So let me pull this up, y'all. I'm gonna plug my friend's channel real quick. <laughs> channel and merch. You guys probably know Monica Hayworth. She's an anti-MLM YouTuber. I got some of her merch. One second. I'll show this to you guys. Then we'll keep talking about the book in a second. Um do 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 do. So this is Monica's channel right here. Y'all should subscribe to it. And then where is her merch link? Is it in the description would be my guess. Where's the Teespring? Ah, stop playing an ad. I don't need to add. Oh, here it is. Here it is, y'all. So I'm just going to plug someone else's merch for a second. Plugged my own merch enough today. Plug someone else's merch. Okay, there's her merch. It's right here. Uh, so this is the sweatshirt that I got. I've been wanting to buy people's merch and get their sweatshirts a lot lately. Oh, I didn't even see this one. I don't want to know about your business opportunity. I should have got that one. Um... But yeah, get your friends merch, support your friends, support small businesses, all that good shit. RK's back. I'm still choppy. If I'm choppy, I'm going to move over to my phone. Yeah, you're still choppy. Okay. I'm sorry. Um, so let me see. Oh, I'll, I'll, I, we should make a clip of this and send it to Monica. Queen of Spades saying Monica's one of the most genuine people in our movement. She's everything she is in her videos and more. Yeah, she's like one of the best friends I've made in this in this community. She's so sweet. She's so sweet. Box and Compass agrees. Um, so does All Panda. Oh, guys, I got. I'll have to let her know that everyone loves her work. She, yeah, dude, she's just she's such a nice person and she just like genuinely cares about everything we're doing. And I just I love it. I love it. Um, cool. Yeah. Oh, that's so nice. Queen of Spades says, so, so the Chris Watts part of your video, she edited it because she knew it triggered me. She thought of it. She was like, you want me to edit it? So you're okay. Oh, that's so sweet, dude. That is so kind. She's so kind. She's just like always thinking about other people. All right. You're back. I am back. Is this better? Yes, I can hear you much better. Fantastic. Okay, so I'm on my phone today. Y'all will not be able to see me. And of course, this is one of the days I'm wearing a shirt. So I'm going to take this bad boy off. <laughs> uh, anyway, I mean, I know every city seems to believe that they have the, uh, I don't know, the, a monopoly on shitty internet. But it just goes back to... Well, there's no competition. Our, our internet and cable providers all own regions and all provide a ridiculously shitty product and service knowing full well there's no competition to drive them out, which is why I'm terrified of Amazon um, pushing out small publishers and why I'm terrified of the big five becoming the big four and eventually becoming the big one and it's going to go one-on-one -on -one versus Amazon and everyone else is going to suffer except for the uh, cyborg of Jeff Bezos. Yeah. I'm very torn on Amazon because Amazon also helps a lot of pu small publishers get their start because they provide the best price for print on demand. Yeah. And you know that eventually 
they're just going to drive up that price once they no longer have competition. Oh, absolutely. So it's really difficult because it's like a lot of small publishers that can't afford bulk printing from the beginning will get their start by setting up their author's works on Amazon, on KDP and stuff. And it's, it's nice to break down the barriers to entry, but then at the same time, it's like, if Amazon is Amazon just taking a loss right now for the sake of driving out competition so that later they can raise the price as high as they want? Probably. Jeff Probably. Bezos is. Okay, so wait. Mark Zuckerberg's a robot. Elon Musk is an alien. What is Jeff Bezos? Just a supervillain? Um, yeah, he's 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 Lex Luthor who wants to be. Yeah, he's Lex Luthor. Okay. And speaking of supervillains that exploit people. We had uh, some comments about Tim Ferriss's book, Box and Compass, saying his whole thing is just non-sustainable for people who actually give a shit or people who are poor. Yeah, and that's the thing is that I think a lot of these books, um, they try, uh, like, some of, the, some of the advice could apply to anybody. Some of the advice, like, about how to try to maximize your time by, like, like, he has a lot of automated thing advice in there about, like, setting your email inbox so that you only get emails at like the, the emails only show up twice a day because a lot of people waste time reading through their emails and sifting through them and staring at the screen which is fair i think that's very easy to get addicted to that so to say like oh my email inbox is only gonna show me my emails at like i don't know once in the morning and once in the afternoon like Sure, I think that's pretty good advice if you if you need help with that or something. So I think there's a lot of things in there that could apply to anybody. But then when he just... Right now I'm just in his chapter about hiring virtual assistants and how to... He even has like... This is where I'm like, dude, dude, what are you doing? He even has like this whole section on how to best communicate with assistants who don't speak English so that they don't waste time on things and that they understand what you're telling them. And I'm like, dude, dude. Yeah. So what's the, what, what's, what are the businesses he's talking about that would require? Cause I'm assuming this is mostly for um, like outward facing uh, hires. This is going to go directly to customer service, which for one, I mean, probably if, if you care ultimately about customer service more than bottom line, which I, I know sort of sounds awkward, but, Let's be real. If you're trying to build something sustainable, then then it should matter because nothing oh, yeah. drives away customers faster than um, either automated messages or speaking to someone whose native language is not the same as your own. Um, once the once someone who once a competitor comes along with a better user friendly experience, they're going to switch over to them. So I'm assuming that. So, so exactly, what businesses is he is he talking to, or is he saying this can apply to any business? Because hypothetically, what if you wanted to apply this to your books? How would this advice help you? Right. Right. It's like, well, I think we're in the context, to be fair, I'm listening to everything on 2x speed. I can't listen to it on 10x speed because Audible doesn't want me to 10x my goals. They don't want you to, they, they, they're like, we have one Grant Cardone in the world. We don't need more. We don't need more. Um, yeah, basically. Yeah. So the, the section he's doing about hiring virtual assistants is basically like his, uh, how he wants to hire people to do like, um, I don't know, setting up meetings for him and, or like doing research on things for him to compile into things. Like it makes, it makes sense. Like it makes sense that 
if you run a company, you would hire someone else to do day-to-day -day tasks that if you need to focus on a different task that is involved in running the company, it, it makes sense you'd pay someone else so that it's more efficient. Like, I, I understand that. The thing is, though, that he, he goes on about, like, all the ways to hire people for really cheap overseas and all the ways to pay people like less than minimum wage and all the ways to um, make sure. Cause he was like, yeah, I, I always, I had a problem with my first virtual assistant cause he didn't really speak very good English. And then he ended up taking way too long to get everything done. And he billed me for way more hours than he should have. And so now I make sure all my virtual assistants repeat things back to me. So I make sure they understand my English. And I'm like, Tim Ferriss, you might be racist. Just, just a tad. I mean, just I don't like know. you might <laughs> be racist, Tim. That's all I'm going to say. Like, I was listening to this section. I'm like, dude, what if the virtual assistants you're hiring also want to have a four hour work week and also want to be able to afford to hire their own virtual assistant? Like, my point is that, like, it's you can probably, if you're the reader, you could probably apply it to yourself if you're willing to exploit people enough. However, it's you couldn't apply it to everyone in your life when you're reading this stuff. It's like, it, it's, it's all, it reminds me of pyramid schemes. It falls apart after a couple of levels of applying these topics. That's what I talk about with, with the 10 X rule with Grant Cardone and all that. Grant Cardone. It, like these, this advice all requires people who are willing to almost work harder than you to build up your reputation. Yeah. For not much money. Um, let me see. Okay, so first of all, Jeff Bezos is a lizard person, says Fox and Compass, and I think she's right. Jeff Bezos does have lizard person vibes. Aw Panda says, I have to thank you for reading out loud when you're reading the chat. It's great for accessibility as well as chronic multitaskers. Well, thank you for letting me know that. I will continue to read the chat aloud now that, uh, now that I know it's helpful for people. Sometimes I worry that if I read the chat aloud too much, it'll slow everything down and people will get frustrated. But if it like, I don't think that's actually going to happen. I think I'm just paranoid. Nah, people comment for their comments to be seen and heard. That's why Mushroom Destroyer proudly proclaimed that she dated her second cousin in yesterday's chat. She did. She did. <laughs> Maybe there not was... proudly. Yeah, and y'all, there was a whole little, yesterday. like, once we were doing an interview, it was fun, but there, then this whole little thing went on in the chat on the side, this whole little side conversation about Mushroom Destroyer dating her second cousin, and uh, Queen of Spades sister dating her brother, or something, and wild. Good shit, guys. Y'all are interesting people. Very interesting people. Um, yeah, we, we see you, Queen of Spade, being, being interesting yourself. Also, thank you so much for sharing our stream yesterday onto your community. Um, it's going to be fun getting uh, RSN and Tommy C and everyone else that you have beef with coming to our chats to talk shit because you endorsed us. Oh, yeah, I'm ready for people to talk shit. Also, I feel like, first of all, I don't subscribe to Tommy C. I think he's an asshole, but I think because I saw you... Because he was being rude to you, I think it came up. He came up in my thing, and I think he might be friends with Monkey Jones. In which case, like, get him to hook me up because I th I like Monkey Jones, even though he's incredibly offensive. I find him funny. <laughs> he's he's kind of like a YouTube martyr. That's why I respect him. <laughs> I don't um, know who that is. Oh, he's a, like he's like he's like a provocative creator who like 
says things for shock value, but does it in like weird little skit forms. Um, and he got his channel deleted and he became like a YouTube free speech martyr. And it was like a whole drama a couple years ago. Oh, interesting, interesting, interesting. Yeah, we'll have to talk about it at some point because like, I don't know. I don't know. I find I find the whole situation interesting. And then Gokunaru made a really interesting documentary about it. I know Gokunaru because of the Ethan Klein shit that he's done. Yeah, dude, I love Gokunaru also. I think his editing skills are amazing. He's he seems like an interesting individual. Yeah, yeah. As YouTube tends to be filled with. Fox and Compass says I I think this is re- referring to Tim's advice about like how to automate your emails and stuff like that. Saying I use that advice after reading his book. It's one of the only things I took away from it. Yeah, I think the other thing I'm taking away from the book is about you know reaching out to famous people and trying the method of reach out to someone you know, tell them that you like their work and shit and then ask them an interesting question and have a three email exchange and then invite them to come on your show or something. So that was great advice uh, because that's all about reaching out to someone without asking for something. Gary V says the same thing, though. I will say Gary V after watching that uh, interview on the drip with Mike Winnett, that's sketchy as fuck. What? Oh, I need to rewatch that. It's been a long time since I've watched that you interview. Have to, so you, have, you have to pay $15,000 to get a meeting with him. And it's not That's... a long meeting. And then you have the chance of him investing back in your business. And oh, if dude, he does, it's just going to be the money that you paid to meet him with. And then he gets equity in your business. And the whole, I'm going to pitch this to Netflix for you. Um, I'm, I'm going to pitch this to Netflix for you. Uh, as long as you make me the good guy. It's like, what the fuck? So he's, Dude, he's, Gary V's shady too. Like, I get some so value shady. out of him, but he's a shady fuck, just like the rest of them. Yeah, I mean, I can... Bl- so with Seth Godin, I know I keep bringing him up too, but it's because I just finished his book, so it's fresh in my mind. I really like how he spoke about how... Uh, he specifically brought up authors too. He was like, authors, they'll ask, how can I how can I query and get an agent or how can I query and get a publishing house? And he's like, this is not the right question to ask. The right question to ask is how can you get them to approach you? Interesting. Which I completely agree with. I mean, if yeah. you take a look at music, which I always love comparing indie publishing to indie music. Same feel, dude, same, same. Because I think indie publishing is a, like a few years behind indie music and it's going to eventually take off and, we're gonna, and hopefully we're going to see Spotify. Equi- I mean, we're already sort of seeing the first generation of Spotify equivalents of books and shit like that. Um, Amazon owns one uh, the mm-hmm. same way they have Amazon music, but you know, there's Scribd and then there's um, there are the library apps and shit like that. Yeah. And uh, I, I do think we're going in that direction, in which case we will see more, a more powerful genre and I know it's not a genre, I'm just going to call it that for simplicity's sake, um, of, of independent authors creating content and finding their audiences. Um, and I'm excited for that, uh, because I do think that that's going to be the best response to be a consolidation of the large publishing platforms. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you just, if for anyone who's an author and are interested and haven't joined the group yet, 20 books to 50K, um, you don't necessarily have to- group. You really don't Facebook. have to necessarily subscribe to their uh, to their teachings, but they do have a lot of really good advice. And a lot of them have been approached by large publishing companies um, because all those companies care about is the bottom line. And they have published such a strong back catalog and have found their core audience that they're incredibly attracted. Like they, they don't really have to. If, for them, it's not a question of how do I get an agent. It's a question of agents are approaching me. I'm not going to sell out for any of them. Because the one, one thing I do, I do dislike about the gatekeeper and I know this is a long tangent away from Tim Ferriss. One thing I really dislike about the gatekeeping uh, 
culture of publishing is it puts more of an emphasis on finding an agent and getting that legitimacy than actually publishing. I mean, there are some yes, really shitty agents out there. Oh, and the yeah. Celebrate, and pe people celebrate for getting it. Like, people will celebrate for getting a shitty agent or a celebrity agent, which I'm not going to shit on any specific celebrity agents, and I'm sure that they treat their clients well. But there are plenty of agents out there who I'm thinking to myself, an agent is a more behind the scenes person, right? So why are you more concerned with being a bigger star than your clients? Right. And that's the thing is, um, I think the culture of wanting an agent, like there's not, if you want to have an agent to help you with negotiations, to help you with all of those things, that's valid. Like do that because I think that it could be beneficial. However, if you want an agent just because you think that that's the right way to go about the process because someone told you that, a lot of times what that leads to is people accepting any agent or any publisher that comes their way rather than waiting for the right one. But then there's the other side, which is like if you wait too long for the right one, right? Publishing a, one book every couple of years is no way to run a business, in my opinion. That's just not a long-term business solution. So I, I'm going to be really interested. I am going to read Seth Godin's book when we get to his week. I'm really interested in the idea of like, if you want an agent, how do you make someone want you instead of trying to like, cause I have no interest in querying and pitching to tons of people all day. Like, no, I have, I have other things I want to do. So it's like, if, if I ever do find an agent that like, I guess like I've told the story on my channel of how I got the publishing contract for nineties kids it was very non-traditional. There was no querying. There was no agent. There was none of that involved. So everyone should check out that video. But my point with that video was not do exactly what I did because my situation was very specific and not possible to replicate. But it was more of like, there are going to be opportunities around you that are might be look like they're non-traditional on the surface, but you should still pursue them and go for it and see what comes of things because you don't you don't know where it could lead. You don't. And you also need to know that, like, I think it was a very interesting point when I was reading about how Matt, like, we don't know what pop culture is, but we know what it isn't. And pop culture is not when the majority of the country or majority of the world is into something. If anything, pop culture is when 1% of the world or 1% of the country is into something because 1% is so difficult to accomplish. Well, that's like, I think that comes down to like narrow casting and stuff, which I'm going to, I did a video essay on narrow casting for everyone if you want to see that at some point, but I am actually going to talk about it again in depth when I review the Ben Shapiro book I read in high school, because of all the shitty and offensive and homophobic things Ben says in this book, he does actually talk in depth about narrow casting, which I appreciate because almost no other book that I've read other than like scholar articles about media consumption almost nothing else talks about this so i i've got to hand it to him for that at least so we're gonna go into it again and talk about it although ben shapiro seems to not like narrow casting because it, that's what's led to like tv having s special programming for for different types of people and things like that and he'd rather all so he hates TV capitalism he does. That's the thing. That's what I'm going into in this review is the fact that it's like Ben Shapiro's, he doesn't have a consistent conservative belief. His belief is whatever benefits him in the moment. It's his belief is just himself. That's really all it is. Cause he'll be like, I love capitalism. And then he'll be like, Oh, I hate how I hate competition so much. I hate there, how there's these lesbians on TV <laughs> and people say that it's just because there's demand for it. But I think that 
the world would be a better place if there weren't allowed to be lesbians on TV. And then it's like, well, Ben, capitalism said that people want lesbians on TV. There was a demand for it. So you got to just get over it if you like capitalism so much. So basically, Ben, is, his beliefs are, what do I want to happen? It's not even like, it's not even anywhere on a political ideology. It's just, what do I want? It's all about himself. And that goes back to our interview yesterday. And it, not Ben, but the, the whole defining a demand and letting that dictate the market. Um, mm -hmm. Amara saw demand for a very yes. specific subscription box. And she didn't and it's hesitate. Wonderful. She pulled the trigger and she did it immediately. And it's starting to grow. Yeah. And I'm, I'm so happy about that. Um, also, I didn't realize that the Mike Winnett interview on the drip is four hours long. <laughs> I'm excited. They, to... they have a, they have a short section of just the Gary V story too, which is only 13 minutes. Yeah. Which I think I've watched just that section. I've also watched Mike Winnett's video about meeting Gary V, which was interesting, but yeah. That I'm gonna I need watch to watch. This... <laughs> Yeah, there's a, he has a video where it's called like I got a meeting with Gary V and it has like it has he has like footage of his meeting with Gary V and them talking and stuff in it. You should watch it. I absolutely will. I mean I'm just But I need to, to I'm going to watch this whole 4-hour interview. I'm excited for that. You should be, especially if you 10x it. I'm I'm just like I knew Gary V was not the same character that he promotes in per also like when it made him sound like he's a lot more insecure than he put portrays himself, which doesn't surprise me because I mean, I think that's so true for gurus in general. You want to appear more confident than you are just for the sake of people want to follow someone who's confident. But I'm just, I'm just, so this is why it goes back to the whole, it's so much healthier to identify your core principles and live your life by the, I'm, I actually really like doing this on my phone because I can pace back and forth. I think so much better when I'm pacing. I, I work all day pacing. Um, I just wish you could turn on your phone camera and I could see you, but that's okay. Fine. Maybe I will, maybe I won't, but then I can't read the comments. Um, oh, that's fair. But it's why it's so important to identify your core principles and live life by these principles and not by any one person because people are not nearly as strong as principles. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, Fox and Compass uh, is talking about uh, Tim Ferriss here saying I found him because I was doing research on course creators and lots of them love him. His stuff seems geared toward e-commerce and course creation, but who knows if that was his intent. It definitely does seem that way because even in the book, like his, the introduction sections to his book were instantly kind of off-putting because it was clear that his initial business ventures were all for the sake of wanting to be a business guru. He was like, so the first thing I started was this course when I was in college to teach people this. And then I'm like, dude, wh like where, where did you, like he didn't seem to have any specialization or any expertise in anything. He just, which I can respect that he just went for it, but he was just starting all kinds of like, I started a speed reading course in college to teach everyone how to speed read. I'm like, wait, when did you learn how to speed read? Did he even learn how to speed read or was his business just selling things? Like, so it was just interesting, but yeah, it definitely seems geared toward people who want to, like, there's a lot of e-commerce stuff. He talks a lot about drop shipping. He talks a lot about um, printing on demand, which to be fair, we do merch print on demand and drop ship. So I don't think it's all bad, but he does talk a lot about it. Um, well, dr drop it, shipping you know, is, I, I'm not, I'm not against it. I'm, I'm not against not, it either. But I'm, I'm not for it either. Like I, the, there's a time and place for it. Yeah. Um, I think dropshipping can teach someone really good entrepreneurial skills. Um, mm -hmm. Morally, 
I don't know who who am I, like who am I to say morally if it's right or wrong? Because you could say that that it's it's obvious internet arbitrage and you're screwing over a potential customer. But one, would the customer know that it would have existed without that person running ads? And two, we don't know about the person who's running the ads. It could be someone who desperately needs money, and this is just a way to make ends meet. And it's not that much different than finding a wholesaler and selling at a retail markup price. Uh, so it's yeah, it's a well, I I like drop shipping when it's like print on demand drop shipping. Like I like that kind of stuff. Like when we get our merch printed. But I don't even count that as drop shipping because you it made is, those though. designs. You made those designs, yeah, but it's being I I guess I don't know. I would count it as drop shipping, but I would say it's the good kind of drop shipping. Then there's the uh, there's the drop shipping where you make a website and try to make it look like you own a fancy store, but then in reality you're just connecting everything to a product on AliExpress that costs 10 cents. Cause it's like some knockoff from China. And then, yeah, I always definitely find that a little bit, a little bit shady. I'm not a huge fan of that. Um, I'm, I'm not against it either though. It's one of those things that I'm just, I'm, 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 I can't say what I am and I'm not. It, it's, it's case, it's case by case. It's definitely a case by case thing. I do like shopping on AliExpress for cheap, like props for things. Oh yeah, you can do some really cute gifts for people on AliExpress too. I had a teacher in uh, grad school who said like, uh, "Get your you can go on AliExpress and they have these like mini screenless MP3 players that were like less than a buck a piece, so you could get like twenty for ten bucks or something uh -huh. like that." And he was like, "This is a really cute gift to give to friends. You just get them your MP3, you get them MP3 players, you load them up. It's it's almost like giving them a CD. You load them up with songs and you give them to your friends." Well, that's cute. Yeah, he 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 said it because that's that was like a gift he gave to people. He was from uh he was from Taiwan, so he basically only shops on Alibaba and AliExpress. Yeah, I shop for a lot of doll clothes on AliExpress because like if I'm gonna buy the official like American Girl doll clothes, those are expensive. You'll as go fun. broke. Oh yeah, which I do buy them for if it's an interesting collection that I want to get. But like if I just want to buy doll clothes to make like a little stop motion video and I just need different outfits for them and I just need a variety of things or if I'm going to do a custom doll of a character and I need a variety of outfit options or for my plushies to dress them up then yeah I'll go on AliExpress and I'll shop for those and get doll clothes for you know get a whole bunch of things for like $30 where on the American Girl store I would pay $30 to get like one outfit yeah you need your tiny ribbons need my tiny ribbons yeah, Harley says, I understand having an assistant, but not exploiting them and paying so little. I completely agree. There's nothing wrong with hiring an assistant. Some people are happy. Like, some people like to work the assistant job. Some people like doing the logistics stuff, you know? And I think that's great. One day I hope to hire an assistant, but I would not pay them so little. Yeah, one day you hope to hire a uh, an assistant with enough money where they don't have to work 17 jobs. Maybe just one other and have them be virtual. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's a, uh, yeah, it gets a little racist. It, absolutely. Yep, the book gets a little racist. Do not 10x Tim's views on workers. Not at all. <laughs> Nothing exacerbates uh, socioeconomic conflict than 10x and gurus. Uh, questionable Hag Energy says, my friend was a VA for a guy like this, and she worked way more than him. He'd originally sold the idea to her that it would be easy to do as a stay-at-home mom. Oh, I'm sorry. And she had to deal with that. Yeah, yeah, it's just... It really does seem like Tim goes on about how he really wants to make sure his virtual assistant doesn't work too many hours. Well, and that's for the sake that he doesn't want to have to pay them to work more than like a couple hours. 
Um, dude, yeah, Tim's Tim's got some good advice, but he's also a huge asshole, and I think that's what it that's what most gurus are like. It's like I was gonna oh. say that's our takeaway almost every week. <laughs> Yeah, it's like they've got some advice where I could I could apply this. I could take and learn this one thing and apply it to my life. However, I am not going to live my life like you because you are a bad person. <laughs> like you are a negative force on society as a whole. But that's also kind of like the point of the show. It's to say, hey, you can learn from just about anyone, even people that are really shitty because they do have... I don't want to say some good, but some, some, not moral good, but good ideas. Yeah. Yeah. Efficient. Maybe efficient is a better word. Ooh, Mushroom Destroyer says, I'm starting my special video project tomorrow. RK will become a meme. I'm looking, oh yeah, because I say like, what the fuck or, or Jesus fucking Christ, those two. I'm so excited to see, see RK as a meme. Um, Cher's I'm here. What's up, Cher? What's up, Cher? How's it going? Yeah, so as far as Tim Ferriss is concerned, I do think that ultimately the, the lessons that we've learned so far, I know tomorrow is big lesson week, but it's also it's also Friday powwow. And everyone, if you want to be on tomorrow's stream, we post the StreamYard link in Reddit. It's first come, first serve. Um, yes. So, yeah, for anyone who wants to come on the show tomorrow, let's go to Reddit. Um, the big takeaway from Tim Ferriss that I can say today before we have our big powwow is uh, don't don't be afraid to I don't want to say clout chase but don't don't be afraid to reach out above your current station uh, as long as you're absolutely not I'm going to continue to do that in future weeks because I I do want to get famous people on our show not every time but like you know I'd like to get a couple of those interviews I think it would be fun it would be um, a blast so this again this is the subreddit y'all it's also linked in the description below. Um, what be on the lookout if you want to join us for the Friday morning party time tomorrow morning uh, while we chill and have a wrap up discussion you want to be on the stream and talk to us directly then uh, check the subreddit tomorrow morning the link to the stream will be there um, I was gonna oh there you are what's up y'all um, there was a comment there were Today a couple was a comments I really wanted to so I'm feeling, I don't know if I'm feeling healthy or not from the yoga. Cause it wasn't like a good yoga day. I mean, I was distracted today while working out. Fox and compass says, I never met anyone who feels the same way I do about agents and such. I'm so happy I found y'all dude. Same, same. Well, I mean, it, it's like, I can't really think of many other businesses where it's like, Hey, if you create something fantastic, it's your top priority to find someone else who can profit off of it and take ownership of it. And it's also then their top priority to find someone to sell that to where you only get a fixed portion of, and then they, if it blows up, they get a majority of the benefits from it and you just get the exposure. Right, yeah. I mean, I guess to an extent, there's some of that in the film industry because again, everyone the wants- The creative like, industries. The creative industries, music, movies, books. It's all the idea that like, oh, you created something really cool. Well, now you need a big business to be the one to sell it for you. And it's like, I guess to an extent, well, no, actually. No, I don't, not to an extent. It's, it's been completely perverted by these central forces. Yeah, absolutely. I was wondering if like I was relying on Amazon, but I really don't. I ship almost all of my orders out of my fulfillment center room next door. 
But even if you I don't, rely I on package Amazon things up and point, ship it myself. You know, I don't even rely on Amazon that much. But even if you rely on Amazon at this point, it's it, 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 Amazon is still in some ways better. Like, I, I do think that at this point in time, from the authors I've spoken to, one of the best things that you can do is become a big indie author on Amazon and have Amazon, one of Amazon's imprints, reach out to you and publish directly through them. Because most of the top selling books on Amazon are Amazon imprints because, shocker, they push their own books more than uh, other publishing houses' books. Um, and since a majority of book sales in the U.S. are directly through Amazon anyway. That that's one of the like being in the top one thousand seller list on there is probably more important than being on a bestseller list off of it. Uh, while it doesn't come with the same prestige, it does come with a dollar amount. So authors like Emily King, who is regularly published through Amazon's YA uh, imprint, I mean. She's an author that maybe doesn't carry the same prestige as, as uh, someone who made the bestseller list on in the New York Times. But she, when her late last book came out, she was literally number one and number two opening week on all of Amazon. Yeah, with that release, and I, we've looked up at Amazon bestseller what that means. Like that—that's literally—I I can't do it on my phone right now. But that's thousands upon thousands of copies sold in one day. Yeah. I'm wondering now, because I thought I think what you said was really interesting about how, you know, the New York Times bestseller list and things like that, that comes with more prestige than the Amazon bestseller list, even though if you are on a, uh, a Amazon bestseller list in a very populated category, you could theoretically be making a lot more money. And I think that there's this culture for creative works, whether it's books, movies, whatever. And that, more exposure. Yeah. I didn't mean to cut you off, but if you're a popular list, people actively go to those lists to, to buy. So it's well, it's yeah, absolutely. But I'm saying I think that there's there's definitely a culture that I don't know if it's publishers, I don't know who it is that is perpetuating this culture the most. English lit teachers probably. There's this culture that if your art is should you should seek the prestige above the profit. That like profiting off of it is not as important as getting that notoriety. And I think that that drives a lot of people to be like, oh, well, my goal is to reach the New York Times bestseller list because that's a sign of prestige as opposed to a sign of how much money I'm making. If I measure my success and how much money I make, then I'm a sellout or whatever. Where in reality, I would rather make more money, not because I'm chasing money overall, but because then I can sustain my life on writing books more than I could sustain my life. You can't, like, a ranking on the New York Times bestseller list doesn't pay the bills. So I'm wondering if you think Unless that... Unless it's leveraged into something else. Sure, like but I'm just saying... a big film studio picks it up because they want to sell New York oh, Times sure, bestseller Oh, sure, sure, sure. Yeah, but I'm wondering, do you think that big publishing houses, do you think that the big corporations kind of involved in the book world are pushing this narrative about... Um, authors, you don't need to sell out. It's about the prestige and not about the money. Do you think that they're perpetuating that as well to get away with not having to not having authors pursue financially better options or not having authors like unionize or whatever? Do you think absolutely they're pushing because... that narrative for the sake of we don't have to pay you that much because we've cultivated this idea that it's not about the money? Absolutely, because they're the ones that are uh, fabricating the New York Times bestselling list. I mean, and there are some on there that genuinely belong up there. Like, I mean, Hate, Hate, You Give has been up there now for like three straight years. Um, but a lot of yeah. them are up there for only like a couple of weeks because they've been artificially inflated by sales by that publisher. 
So it's exactly. And it's yeah, like, they are. That's the thing. When I talk about like forever home friends, it's like, I will never get on a New York times bestseller list, but that's in part because nobody knows how many books I've sold, but me, because I sell them out of my living room. Like I package them up myself and sell them. So no, I, there is no, they're not all going through retailers. There is no one that has, a, has kept track of how many books I've sold other than me. So at some point I could theoretically have sold more books in a week than a book on the New York Times bestseller list, but nobody would know because they're not being tracked in the same way. And I think that that in part is like, people are like, oh, you know, you need to, you need to keep track of like the numbers need to be tracked through like retailers, through scanning barcodes, whatever. And it's like, why, you know, so just let me, let me sell things how I want to sell things. And, you know, I don't know. I just feel like it's a, I, I, this is me just going off on my anti-corporation rants, but it just well, I, feels I, I like. I want to talk yeah. about Fox and Compass because they brought up a good point too, because there's two uh, incidents. Jet Mark Dawson is one. And um, I'm totally blanking on the young woman who, who did the same thing a couple years ago with uh, Real Handbook, quick, Immort Fox Handbook and, Mortals. Fox and Compass is having all, like so many interesting, Fox and Compass, I'm glad you're here. You are bringing up so many interesting points of discussion today. Just want to give you a shout out. Your anyway, compass sorry. is our true Norse. Anyway, I'm sorry, back to Mark Dawson. Well, no, I mean, so I actually, unpopular opinion, I, I sort of like what, I, I, I don't read his books. And I'm not saying like, I feel betrayed by him because I'm not actively in his community. And I didn't I don't spend, even remember who he is, but he, yeah. He, he's a, he's a best-selling author of like thriller books. And he's one of like hmm. the original, he, he runs a self-pub formula podcast. So I can understand the knocks against him because this is a guy who built an entire brand on how you can be a best-selling indie author. And these are how you can like, basically live full-time. So he, he is almost in that guru form of selling courses on becoming a best-selling author like him. And so elevating his status with a bestseller, with a, like a traditional a bestseller list is a way to enhance his prestige and sell more courses. That I understand as a knock against him. And I'm not saying, and I personally would never buy his course. So I guess sure. in that way, I am knocking him in that way. Now, where I'm not knocking him is one, he's participating in the same games as his competitors, the large publishing houses. And two, he is a real life study, him and Handbook Immortals, of how this game is played and how yes. you can do it yourself. So first off, I think that they did something brilliant, which was delegitimize the best-selling category, which we need yes. to draw more attention to. Um, and secondly, they also show that once you build up enough, and I think this is where gurus sort of touch on some truth and then completely manipulate it. Instead of talking about financial freedom, if they just talked about freedom or autonomy and they stay focused on that and they talked about how when you're building your business, what does independence mean and how do you achieve it without the whole mm -hmm. exploit others bullshit? He, he's, he proved that he is as independent as they come because how do you prove that you're as independent as you come? You're directly competing against large publishing houses in their own game and winning. Yeah, I noticed that because I don't remember the thing with Mark Dawson, but I do remember the handbook for mortals drama that that happened. And I remember because this was it was happening around the time I had started becoming a booktuber. So the booktube uh, YouTube communities were on fire about this. And I remember not fully understand, like, not fully understanding what the issue was in the sense that it was like, so basically, she exposed that the New York Times bestseller list is a scam. Why? And I'm like, is was the hate towards her was like the the hate the, was towards her it wasn't towards the new york times right i'm saying was that the, but the fact that the hate was towards her and even like small booktubers who are youtube creators were showing their hatred towards her and i'm like you're an independent creator too 
like you're you're on YouTube, which is an alternative medium instead of being on you know TV or being on the news or something. YouTube's an alternative medium already. Shouldn't you be in favor of somebody kind of exposing what a scam something is? So I just I'm wondering why was the hate directed towards her? Was do you think the New York Times she knocked, was behind she that? The hate, she knocked the hate. No, it was it wasn't the New York Times. It was she knocked the hate you give off of the number. Sure, one and spot. it could be because the and hate you was, give was the, such a good book and is so like impactful. So it could be because it was that was book. Still, but the hate you give was still on the list. It was number two, and it was it would have gone back up to number one. Don't get me wrong. I understand where the anger came from, and I understand being angry at her for doing that. But the reason why it was she was called out was because Angie Thomas's agent called her out. Oh, and yeah, I don't even remember hearing the full story. That. I just remember seeing people get on YouTube, like a bunch of booktubers get on YouTube and just yell about how stupid the author of Handbook for Mortals is and how much the book sucked and whatever. I'm like. I'm not going to read the book, so I don't really care if it sucks or not. I'm just interested in the fact that the New York Times bestseller list is a scam. Like, can we talk more about that? Exactly. Dude, I should make a video about the New York Times bestseller list being a scam. Why haven't I thought of that until now? You, you should, and you can pull up to the two independent authors who successfully gamed the system and got on it. Because here's the thing. Like, I'm not against calling out the the like that publisher for, for gaming the system, but I don't know why the anger stopped there. It's like we're so comfortable by the status quo, even if it's already skewed in favor of large publishing companies that we complain about on a daily basis anyway. I don't know why the anger had to stop there. Now, I get that Angie Thomas and her book, people wanted to protect it. I don't think it needed that level of protection because as, it's, as we've seen over the years, it's, it's pretty untouchable at this point in time. Um, I mean, that book's a modern classic. Like, I don't think it even her, needed people to bolster it it's 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 been solidified as one of the most impactful books of the entire 2010s yeah and her agent did the did what an agent is supposed to do protected his client uh, but that being said it's, it, it goes back to the whole i mean i guess we could say it goes back to the whole prestige thing of it's better to be number one than number two on the new york times bestseller for prestige but she it's not like she got knocked off the list Right, she got because she was she was had a she huge was number streak. two for a she, day. She was number one for what was it was like a huge long run that she had going, and it was the fact that it like broke the streak of her being number one, which I understand why she would be upset about that because it's like yeah, you want to stay in that number one spot, but at the same time, it's also showing that like theoretically her agent could have just bought all the books too to keep the number one spot for the prestige for the marketing sake. Which I'm, I don't think happened because that book genuinely is being read by pretty much everyone. However, like it's just kind of showing that the New York Times bestseller list is why would you why even care about it? Why is that considered such a strong marketing push of like this book was number one on the New York Times bestseller list? Who the fuck cares? I don't understand why people care so much. It, it sort of goes back to I I don't know if it's elite or exclusive. I know that those are sometimes used interchangeably, but. Mm -hmm. We put way too much value on on exclusive um, to, to to sort of validate what's right and what's wrong. I I, I mean, this is now going to go into like education and Ivy Leagues, but are Ivy Leagues truly elite or are they just exclusive? Because it's not like the most intelligent people, Jared Kushner, get in them. It's it's the, the elite. It, it, it's the connections that they have and the exclusivity. Um, so. I do think we put a little bit too much stock into walls, um, in, in, into barrier of entries. Uh, like just because something is difficult, we therefore assume that it's right as opposed to uh, questioning why is this difficult? Why are the barriers so high? And is there a better way? So with the New York Times list, it's like 
there's this emphasis on the prestige there when in reality you're probably better off being number one on science fiction space marines category in amazon uh because you're going to especially if you have like a 10 book series and all of them are in that and all of them are ranking in the top 50 because then you have a guy like chris fox and i'm i'm lifting basically this advice directly from him who gets i, I think like a bad month for him is five figures and that's exactly what he does he publishes a lot of books in that yeah, one I gotta, incredibly I gotta popular take category I have one of his books. The reason I stopped listening to his audiobook is that the narrator he chose to read it sounds like Strong Sad from Strong Home Sad Star Runner. Yeah, oh. and it's a problem. I'm like, <laughs> stop sounding. Maybe if I if I speed it up, he'll sound less like Strong Sad. But I'm like, it, Chris Fox's narrator, if you're listening, I apologize. I I just think you need to take a little of the Strong Sad out of your voice when you're narrating. Poor guy. <laughs> Maybe I just need to speed him up. But yes, I want to, I think this is a great, I, this is a great topic for discussion about how gatekeeping is the way to determine value. And somehow that's just weird. Yeah. I think that that really comes down to, I think that places that are established want to make more money and, but it's the false scarcity thing, right? It's like the, it's uh, just a bigger scale of the idea that um, if you want to make a lot of money selling a product, you say that it's only going to be available for this week and then it's going away forever when in reality you have the capacity to sell it whenever you want. You know, we all see businesses creating false scarcity all the time for the sake to get people motivated to buy something now. And I think that gatekeeping when it comes to, you know, whether it's expensive colleges or whether it's getting a literary agent or whether it's getting a a big studio to get to green light your movie or um getting a record label for your music whatever i think a lot of that is just they've created false scarcity so that people will choose to you know work with them and give them the money as opposed to oh if you do it by yourself now there's no scarcity so you're you're just like anyone can do what you do but in reality it's probably the better option just because anyone could theoretically do something doesn't mean everyone's going to do it well you know it's just weird to me i definitely think it is i think it's a manipulation tactic by big companies to try to get to control artists yeah but again i'm a dumb i'm a, the small business person who's always over here like fuck the corporations I, I'm in the same boat as you, and I'm I'm also so I'm reading. I, I think Andrew McNeil brought up a really interesting point because I, I do want to talk about NFTs at some point. Because uh, I don't know how I feel about them. I I I, I don't see, know how I feel about them yet either. I, I don't know much about point, them yet. I, I see her point completely on on driving up value through through artificial scarcity, but it's also one. It's 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 feel a little different because it's not a large corporation doing it. I feel like majority of the funds go directly to an artist, and it and it derives the same utility as purchasing a piece of art it's just it's um it's digital it's it's exclusive it's but it's it, it, um it's digital but it's still exclusive so you are buying a unique piece of art it's just you're not physically holding it it's written in code on your device and in your vault so yeah the value is artificially inflated through scarcity but it's the same way that other art is is driven through uh scarcity as well i guess the difference is the artist could have created more copies uh easily uh, but then again, you have the same thing with um, with traditional art, where they 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 sell prints. Um, so I, I, I don't know. I I can I I agree with your point on driving up the demand and the price, but I also sort of see the uh, the value in it too. I've heard the the main critique I've heard of NFTs, which I've also heard of just cryptocurrency in general, has been the environmental impact of computers spending so much time to mine things and all of the electricity and energy that it wastes. 
I don't know much about that, but I'm hearing a lot of people like concerned about the environmental factor of mining NFTs and crypto and things like that. Yeah, and I mean, maybe that's true, but I, I also think that, I mean, there, there are certainly other ways to, to, cut, to cut back on environmental waste. I, I think we were still having a climate crisis before crypto blew up. Oh, definitely, yeah. definitely. But I'm just saying that, like, from, I, I need to look more into it. I've heard people saying that, like, the, the amount of energy it uses is just completely absurd and disproportionate. But I and don't... it probably is, and I'm, I'm not knocking that whatsoever. I'm just... Yeah. I, I, basically, all I'm trying to say is I really hope that these arguments aren't just like to scare people away from crypto and are more genuine and they call out all environmental impact. Uh, yeah, sure. I, I, I mean, I need to research crypto more in general because I don't feel that I truly understand it well enough to have an opinion on it either way. I think I need to educate myself a little bit more about it. But I'm, I'm I think it's definitely something interesting to research. It, it is. I'm far from an expert, but I'm... <laughs> I'm I'm pretty pro decentralization. <laughs> um, um, I there was a couple of comments from Fox and Compass that I wanted to still address because she's just on fire with the comments today, dude. This one, most capitalists actually hate capitalism, and it's amazing. I think that's so funny. Yes, because so for you guys that don't know, I used to be a hardcore capitalist. Maybe I'll make a video about this. And I'm not like a like. I definitely have some strong anti-capitalist views, but there are some things about capitalism that I, and like the free market getting out of small business that I do, or the free market allowing the government out of small businesses that I think are worth preserving. However, I think that, you know, capitalism in general can't govern an entire society, but I'm not going to get too deep into my views on capitalism, but I used to be a hardcore capitalist back in my edgy teenager days. And I will say that for as cringy as it was for me to be so horny for capitalism, at least I was consistent because I would meet other capitalists who would be like, I, I would be in a, a restaurant and I'd be like, damn, I miss the days where people could smoke in restaurants. I want to smoke in this restaurant. And someone else would be like, no, that's so unhealthy. And I'd be like, yeah, I know. But like the restaurants should individually be able to decide that the government shouldn't be able to decide that if we want to live in true capitalism. And they'd be like, no, I think it's fair that the government dictates that. I'd be like, well, you're not really a capitalist then, my dude. So I would just like have all these arguments where I would be like, you know, and it, to be fair, it just made me more of a capitalist because it kept making me feel like, oh man, I'm so good at capitalism, <laughs> which I wasn't because it's a lot of the people who are strong capitalists are not even making that much money. They just believe that they have the potential to, right? So well, yeah, they, they, they sell the dream of yeah. you see all these billionaires in the world. If you support us, you could one day become one of us, which exactly. goes back to our other argument of my extreme belief of you cannot be a righteous billionaire. <laughs> yeah. So in terms of like when I was a capitalist, I will say at least I was morally consistent about it. So I would be like, no, the government shouldn't be able to dictate literally anything. Like if this business wants to allow people to do meth in it, like I don't care because it's a free business. It's a free market. And if people don't like that people are doing meth in this business, then the business will fail because nobody will want to come to it. And that's the free market. And then other capitalists would be like, no, you can't just have people doing meth in restaurants. That should be illegal. I'm like, not if you're a capitalist, dude. So I, now that I think of it, my hyper-capitalist beliefs probably turn more people away from it than anything. 
That's kind of yeah, funny. You, you were doing a fantastic job there, Sats. That's kind of funny, dude. But I'm still a fan of restaurants should be allowed to let people smoke in them if they want. And if people, I, I still believe that. I miss, I miss cigarette smoke in restaurants. I think it's one of the most beautiful smells is to have food and cigarette smoke meshing together while you're sitting down somewhere. Wow, that is disgusting. Well, I see, then I, you I, don't have to come to my restaurant and it can fail because other people think it's disgusting. Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of hope that restaurant does fail because now we talk about capitalism and its impacts on people who just happen to be adjacent from them. So you're talking about letting the free market decide that people do not want to support this restaurant, which yeah. I can understand that as well. But at what point does freedom end? Is it uh, their right to inhale without the smell of cigarette, which does pollute in both uh, health and a smell combination? Because, right, because, but the uh, point is then just don't go to that restaurant and then the restaurant will fail if not enough people want to go to it. Yeah, no, I'm, I, I'm, and, I'm, and I'm saying I, I'm looking forward to that restaurant failing. Yeah, and that's fair. That's fair. But that was that was that was one of my arguments in my capitalist days. I wouldn't say I'm a full anti-capitalist, but I, I'm not. I'm not as horny for it as I was ten years ago. Yeah, y'all let savvy have it for thinking that cigarette smokes. Like, there, there's nothing more disgusting, especially with food, than cigarette smoke. So let Dude, let savvy have it. Remember the days of smoking in non-smoking sections in restaurants. Yes. That was great. Like, I loved the fact that when you walked into a restaurant, they would go smoking or non-smoking. And even in the non-smoking section, like the second you opened the door, there was like a faint little bit of cigarette smoke in the background mixed with the smell of whatever they were cooking. And it's just like, now every time I'm like, oh, restaurant time. And I'm like expecting to inhale the cigarette smoke along with the waxy smell of the crayons with the kids menu. No, no Savvy, I, I get it. I, I get that you're disgusting. Like, you don't have to explain it. <laughs> I love this. Savvy's right about so much except smoking in restaurants. Well, guys, don't worry. It's illegal in most places, so I'm not smoking in restaurants. So you can go to a restaurant with me and not worry about it because I'm a law-abiding citizen who doesn't smoke in restaurants. Yeah, no, I see. I, 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 I support you, Savvy. But, like, what about, like, even in the bar, dude? Why can't you have a cigar at the bar? Because alcohol's impact on other people sitting next to someone drinking is not the same impact as sitting next to someone who's smoking. Yeah, but like, why does the government have to be involved? The bar can just fail. Do I think the stock market corrupts capitalism? Yes. Oh my god, Fox and Compass is killing it once again with the comments. I used to think the smell was nice too, but then I found cigarette butts in my food at Golden Corral once. <laughs> I don't know what's worse that I used to eat at Golden Corral or the cigarettes. <laughs> is Golden Corral one of those buffets? Because, dude, I also want to go... I've been wanting to go to a buffet so bad. One of the things I love about the suburbs when I go to the suburbs is chain restaurants. Dude, I fucking love chain restaurants. I love Red Lobster. I miss people being able to smoke in the Red Lobster, but I do love Red Lobster. Um, I love uh, I love Olive Garden, and I love buffets, dude. I love, like, the big buffets, like the, the old country buffet. You go up and down the lines, and you just grab some of everything. You get some nasty, jiggly-looking pudding. Dude, I miss that shit. I need to go to some chain restaurants in the Burbs, which completely just... goes against me as, like, a small business supporter. I would much rather morally support small businesses in my neighborhood. Which, which is which why I you do. support principles and not people, which is why anyone who says, I support Savvy through and through, and not the principles of Savvy supporting small businesses are flawed. Right. Dude, I, that's the thing, though. I love I love chain restaurants, but I wouldn't go to them all the time. I love going to them here and there, 
But for the most part, I'm going to buy from the single location restaurants in my neighborhood instead. Also because the food is objectively better. Fair enough. Um, yeah. I think that the conversation of capital is of, of like government's impact on, on health and preventative measures there is interesting because you can apply it to so many different things like the government uh, requirement of seatbelts, which has obviously saved lives. Um, and then you can also take a look at the negative impact of government, which was the subsidies that they refused to to reverse on on corn farmers, uh, which has led to such a surplus of corn that we have been forced to turn it into high fructose corn syrup as a alternative to sugar, which has led to the obesity epidemic in America. So government's impact on, on health and, and their heavy handedness with health have, has saved lives with like uh, with, with yeah. cigarette smoke and and car and uh, seatbelts and has destroyed lives with. So yeah, the thing is that I like, I definitely know that because I'm a big believer in universal health care. I think, I think that, I, don't, I think that everyone should be able to have free health care. So outlawing cigarettes is like, you, you could argue that's universal health care. No, that's not universal health care. Sure universal health care means that you can go to the hospital and not be billed for it, dude. I'm talking about Medicare for all and shit like that. And I'm talking about preventative measures. Sure, sure. But like you could also outlaw alcohol. You could also outlaw fast food. You could also outlaw any vice that brings people joy and live any in authoritarian dystopia. Are infinitely worse for you than any of those. But who cares? It's your own body. I'm talking about. Yeah, you can you can absolutely make that argument, but then you can't say that you're. I, I, it's difficult for me to say to, for, for me to hear that you want the government to cut to pit, foot the bill for someone actively destroying their life because of freedom. That's the hard part, right? Because it's like that's the hard part because you want you want the government to be able to provide universal health care for everyone, but then there's always the argument of like, okay, so now our taxes are going to have to go to people who are doing drugs and stuff. But then at the same time, it's like, well. If you're doing like it, people are like, oh, drugs would now not be a victimless crime because you're causing the healthcare to become more expensive for everyone now that there's more public health issues. It's not an easy topic. Like, I think if this were easy to solve, it would have been solved already. Solved already. Yeah, absolutely. So that's why we're having this discussion. It's a Mike Super Short Show. Mike Super Short Show. Yeah, I definitely think that universal health care is necessary and also everyone should be allowed to do whatever drugs they want. Got it. And so that's that's a it's an interesting take. Yeah. So basically it's like am I going to fuck up everyone's taxes? Maybe. Who knows? There's a huge surplus of chicken too. My ex works on chicken farms and they st store chickens in giant freezers. The government pays them to throw it out. Yeah, it's fucked up. I, I've said this before on the stream that you can tell we have a, an over farming problem where you can go from a McDonald's in New York, Chicago, uh, I almost said Illinois, New York, Chicago, Indiana, uh, Iowa, Nevada. Arizona, California, all on the same road trip and get the exact same sandwich in the exact same proportions. I mean, there's even there's McDonald's in China and shit, and it's exactly the same. Yeah, well, you could also take the argument to the next level and say that you can go anywhere in the world this very second and order a sandwich and get the exact same sandwich in the exact same proportions. Right. It's weird. It's weird. Kitty, I'm sorry that I'm disillusioning you. <laughs> I have to. I may have to rethink about coming to your American Girl doll birthday party. Well, lucky for you, if you were going, the American Girl store is somewhat of a chain. 
And because there's a couple of them, we were going to go to the original one in Chicago. So uh, you don't have to come if you don't want to, but you can dance if you want to. We don't go there for the food. We go there so that we can hang out with our dolls and pretend that they're real. You can leave your friends behind. <laughs> so your friends yeah, y'all, I'm sure a lot of my... I definitely do have some controversial opinions about things. Smoking in restaurants probably being the biggest one. However... That's uh, not just controversial, though. That's just, you think the smell of cigarettes with food is a good... I mean, oh, unless, yeah, unless, it's delicious. Unless you like the appetite-suppressant nature of cigarettes because you don't want to overeat. I can't see the logic. No, I just think they... I think the smell is nice together. But that's the thing, y'all. I'm hoping that by being very honest about what a fucking weirdo I am, that I'll be uncancelable because people will be like, let's cancel Savvy. She thinks that cigarettes in restaurants are great. And it's like, yeah, I know. I admitted that already. Big news. Big news. Can't cancel, can't cancel Savvy. Yeah, maybe you can cancel me. I don't know. I'm sure someone could find a way to if they want. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm sure. I mean... I don't know. That's a different conversation altogether. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Amanda, I totally agree. That's the price I'm willing to pay for people to not die because they can't afford insulin. Dude, healthcare is one of the, like, that's one of the biggest issues we got going right now. It's cost too much just to get, just to get your health addressed. I don't think capitalism is at fault, but corporatization. I think that that's fair. I think that's fair. I think that there are some places where the free market should be allowed to exist as it is. And then there are other places that it can go too far. It's just basically a thing where it's like any concept can go too far. Well, the free market can't exist without, uh, without rules created by a government or a central force. It's, it, it's, it's a fallacy to think that it can exist without some sort of centralized force. Uh, obviously the debate is how much should that centralized force have, but without boundaries and rules, you can't, there's no there's no free market uh because then it's just anarchy um and we'll end up either in a barter economy or um a gangland economy like a post-apocalypse a post-apocalyptic world with mad max yeah i think that that um you talk about like mixed economies and things like that i think that that's definitely a way to go um I like that Ruby Ryder is also having some controversial opinions. Movie theaters where you're allowed to talk during the movie. A thousand percent yes. And if you don't want to talk during the movie, you can go to a different movie theater. It's kind of like on the Metro train. They have quiet cars and talking cars. And if you want to go on the quiet car, you go to that car. If you want to talk to other people, you go on to the loud car. You should have movie theaters like that too. Yeah, I used to be an anarchist. I ha I've gone through so many political phases. Y'all, this is, uh, maybe I should talk in a video at some point about, like, my political beliefs change, like, every year. Which I think is good, because the world circumstances change constantly, and you should always be open to hearing different ideas. And I think that if you are solidified too much in this one way is always going to be the right way, then, then you're going to... Uh, you're going to be closed-minded to other things. I think there are some things that are, like, non-questionable. Like, murder is bad. Discrimination is bad. Like, things like that are, like, I think pretty solidified. However, there are other things, like, specifically with, like, economic systems and how the government should work and things like that. I've changed my opinion on that so much. I was an anarchist for a while. I was a capitalist for a while. I'm sure we can find examples for a while. of... 
I'm, I'm sure we can find examples of murder not bad though if we i mean like that, that like ethics and morals is a is a constantly changing shape i mean obviously cold-blooded murder is bad yeah i guess it depends how you define murder what is about murder... self-defense what about right is the idea kidnapped of... and tortured and they have to escape the home and they have an opportunity to kill the person to go to freedom like yeah i mean i think that there's is is that considered murder or is that just considered self-defense i mean that's semantics yeah okay well that's fair that's fair yeah, that's fair. That's one of those things where, um, yeah, so Rivi Writer says, I believe in the concepts of anarchism and I'm in favor of direct action rather than government work. Yeah, I tend to be too. I tend to be too. I think it's weird that like, when people talk about political horseshoe theory, right? The idea that like, if you go far enough right, you'll be on the left wing. If you go far enough left, you'll be on the right wing, which to an extent... I agree with. I don't think it's always true. I think that's an oversimplification. But I think I think where you have anarchy, you get a lot of hardcore right-wing libertarians that also go towards anarchy. And then you also get like a lot of hardcore left-wing socialists that go towards anarchy. I feel like I feel like that tends to be a place where people can converge. Either that or they converge in like radical centrism and people like Joe Biden who are like moderate centrists who do nothing so they it either they either converge in like anarchy or apathy that's what i've found in general yeah political ouroboros no matter what direction you go you end up eating yourself yeah see i like like this like like share talking about phasing out corporations and having workers share a percentage of the profits and then fox and compass talking about that being a socialist idea yeah i think that there's a lot more overlap among different ideologies than people realize and that's actually the video that i'm going to premiere tomorrow is about it's about jordan peterson and feminism and how jordan peterson doesn't understand feminism but then also how a lot of feminists who debate him do a terrible job at arguing so i'm working on a video about that where we're breaking down a lot of these different ideas and talking about like i think i truly think that at the end of the day the majority of people want just want the best life for themselves and their family i think that that's everyone's goal at the end of the day and if you're I like to think that. I mean, you never know, though. I, I do agree with you. And I mean Some people might be evil, but I feel I like that's the minority. Evil. Like, there's not even just necessarily an evil. I mean, uh, th th there are plenty of people who I think exist just to be dicks. There might be. Sure. Sure. But like, I, they're I more than they, happy yeah. to just stay, like, whatever. Like, they don't even get joy out of it. They're just like, eh, I'm okay, and I want everyone else to suffer. That's possible. That's possible. Yeah, I just, I've all, but then again, I'm a really idealistic person. I'm also like, like I've said, I'm like a puppy who just kind of like trusts everyone inherently. So I'm, I'm cynical and critical when it comes to criticizing companies and criticizing scams and things like that. But when it comes to meeting people and assuming people's intentions, I tend to assume their intentions are good from the get go. Just because why not? I, I want people to assume my intentions are good. And if they give me a reason to not like them, then I won't. But Otherwise, it's good to to just give everyone a chance. Um, wait, how did Epstein get into this discussion? Shares over here like Epstein is and was. Oh, oh, because I was talking about how I don't think a lot of people are evil. Yeah, I think he's an exception. I think yes, there are there are exceptions. There are outliers. I definitely think he's truly evil. 
I think that, I mean, you could even look at someone like Jeff Bezos and wonder, like, at this point, is Jeff Bezos, does he have good intentions? Did Maybe he started out with good intentions, but now is he... Um, now is he just um, completely only trying to fulfill himself as opposed to do something good for the world? Like, uh, probably, because why would he be hoarding so much otherwise? Um, I agree with this. It's much nicer to think people try to be good than assume everyone is bad. Absolutely. That's how I try to approach everything. Uh, it's kind of hard to do that with the world of Twitter because on Twitter, everything is very... Uh, well, that, that's also an combative. important lesson just with life of you're going to be a lot less offended in life. I'm not saying like genuine offense is, is not ever existing. It's obviously regular. But I just mean when you're talking with friends, you're a lot better off if you never assume like in, in, an insult off the bat or if you just always give their, their, their statements the benefit of the doubt of they didn't necessarily of they meant to complimentary. Right, right. And I'm talking friends, too. Friends, yeah, literally pretty much everyone. Um, I do assume that by nature most politicians are evil. I don't, Same. yeah, I don't really care what their policies are. I mean, I do care in terms of how I vote, but I, when it comes to me liking them as a person, I assume that they're probably all evil deep down. So politicians are the exception to me thinking that people are genuinely good because some of the ways that people have to seek power to become successful in that in the first place there's it's like tim ferris dude it's a lot of exploitation of other people and it's a lot of just like letting yourself get bought out in certain ways and just following the market it's not a lot of empathy yeah which goes back to our, our primary lessons of um the most important intelligence that you can probably teach to grow a business because we're going to bring this back to business have to talk about capitalism is emotional intelligence and empathy because that's what audiences ultimately want i think it's interesting when you take a look at the cultures that people are building it's not necessarily the intelligence like in jordan peterson's case that's what sells it for him it's the it's, it's the it's the feeling of intelligence that he's selling his audience they're not watching him because he's intelligent they're wa watching him because they feel intelligent for watching him yeah, and actually in the so the, in the video I'm editing for tomorrow where he's debating Kathy Newman about feminism and the whole thing is a mess. But one of the things he says at the beginning I actually think is important, which is that I think the reason a lot of young men flock to him is that the, the, what they tell him is that they've never heard any words of encouragement. They've never heard, you know, any, any motivation in their life. And I think there is definitely a problem with people neglecting young men's emotions because it's like, oh, you're like a teenage boy, you're basically just a monster, like, whatever, you're, you don't show emotions, be manly, whatever. I think that that causes young men to find someone like Jordan Peterson, who's there and is like, hey, man, you have something to offer the world. I want, I want to help you feel like you have something to offer the world. And again, that's also how cults start. I, I, whether Jordan Peterson is leading a cult is an interesting discussion as well. I don't think he is, because I don't think his influence is as big as it was a couple of years ago. But, um, that's just, it's always interesting to think about that. Is he emotionally intelligent? Usually no, but he's able to connect emotionally on a level with people who feel like they need that in that moment, which again, that's how cults start. I'm sorry. I had a text message I had to respond to. What are the comments saying? Um, 
So Kat says there are a lot of people from marginalized communities stepping into more political work and getting seats, trying to change that. I don't think they're bad. And I love seeing more people getting in. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I guess saying like all politicians are bad. I think most politicians at the very top are bad, like people who are holding a lot of power. Um, but I do think I don't think all local government people are bad. No, not not whatsoever. I don't think a lot of people who are getting into it for activist reasons are bad. No, I think there are a lot of people who do have genuine genuine intentions but i guess i i think maybe it's more just like you know the the big politicians the the last few presidents that we've had people who are trying to perpetuate long-term wars and who are doing nothing to stop it because they have corporate backers that are you know dictating what they actually do i think i will are those people evil or are they trapped in a difficult system maybe a little of both, maybe one more than the other. I, I don't know. I can't read anyone's mind, but I think Kat's right. I think that there are definitely people who are in things for the right reasons. Definitely. Um, Fox encompasses, there's a huge problem with toxic masculinity and neglect, neglect of male emotions. Yeah. And I think that is what drives a lot of young men towards someone like Jordan Peterson, which I do get into in the video. And I also try to talk a little bit about the concept of toxic masculinity, because I think that there's a lot of misunderstanding about what people mean when talking about that. And I think it's worth discussing the different interpretations of it as well, because I, you know, I'm a person who takes things literally. I can't commute. I have trouble communicating with people who imply things and who want me to make inferences and things like that. So I think it's important to define our terms up front, which Jordan Peterson does not do. He does not define his terms. He's like, men should be powerful and competent. It's like, what do you mean by that? What do you mean by that? What do you mean by that? Competent in what? In their job? In the fact that they make their bed? In Or in, in everything. Because that's a... That's they gotta a be good order. at everything? That's, a, that's quite a tall order. Um... Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. So I'm, I, that's going to be that and filming some new videos is going to be my day today. Got to get a lot of video stuff done once we're off this stream. Going to walk to, we listen to Tim Ferriss's book, take my shower and then do some video stuff. Um, I'm so glad that this chat has been so, like there's been so many interesting discussions in this chat that have led to really important topics. I know we got off topic, we always get off topic on this show. Everyone's come to expect it. But you know, we were talking about Tim Ferriss and his book and I'm gonna read more of his book and then tomorrow on the wrap up, we'll talk even more about it and what what messages it has and all of that. But yeah, um, so I know we got off topic, but at the same time, I'm really glad that we were able to get into these discussions, because I think the book sparks interesting conversations, even if it's like, is Tim Ferriss a terrible and exploitative dude? Yeah, sometimes. Absolutely. So getting into that discussion, I think is good and seeing where the chat takes it as well. I'm glad you guys, you guys had a lot of interesting points to share and I really appreciate it. So I'm excited to see what we talk about tomorrow. We'll have a little bit of a chiller stream while we uh, talk about the book some more and wrap up what we learned from Tim Ferriss week and then also start preparing for Marie Kondo week. This office is going to get clean during Marie Kondo week. Absolutely. I'm going to make the like, does, does this magnet spark joy? Yes. Does, uh, does this medical bill spark joy? No. So that it gets thrown out. Does this Vegemite spark joy? Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> well, because someone who watches me from Australia sent it to me, so it absolutely sparks joy. Yeah, and Tom Hanks had it when he was in Australia when suffering COVID. Does this uh, wrapper from my Starbucks donut spark joy? No, it doesn't. 
So that'll be a fun, a fun thing to talk about next week. Um, yes, we're doing this Marie Kondo week next week. We're gonna. I'm also gonna listen to her book. Um, I downloaded it. What's it called? Because Spark Joy is the book that is illustrated, and I don't want to listen to an illustrated book. That sounds not right. Oh, the life-changing magic of tidying. That's her book that I'm going to listen to. I also got the secret to listen to so we can, uh, I'm waiting for that to come. I got, I put a hold on that in my library. We can do a Rhonda Vern week as well and just manifest things all week. So I'm sure there's more to it than just asking if everything sparks joy. So I'm going to listen to everything she says, because I imagine if I throw away my bills because they don't spark joy, then the bill collectors will get upset with me and that won't spark joy either. And with that, <laughs> with that, gal, we're going to head out for the day. Thank you all so much for being here. We will see you again tomorrow morning at the same time on this channel. Don't forget to subscribe. Don't forget to follow us on all the social media linked in the description below. Join our Reddit community. And tomorrow morning, don't forget, if you want to be on the show tomorrow morning, if you want to chill with us, we can take up to eight people in addition to us on the show. We will post the link to tomorrow's stream in the subreddit. So join us on Reddit. It's linked below. And uh, if you want to join, the link to join will be there. But we'll see you tomorrow. Have a great rest of your Thursday. Thanks for joining us this morning. Follow us on all of our social businesses. Yeah, follow us on TikTok, especially. RK is killing it with the TikTok. I mean, I, I would say follow us on Reddit, especially, because that's the one that we really want to grow. Uh, TikTok, we're just trying to, to, to funnel. We're, tr we're trying to build these funnels. You funnels. Know? <laughs> funnel. We want a funnel. Can't we spell funnel fun without funnel. fun. the fun in Dude, that's a hat. That's a hat right there. Put I'm the sure that already exists. Put the fun in that, sales that funnel. That, that, that's, that's so obvious. Bye, friends. Bye.